Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we catch up on the latest at the African Nations Championship in Morocco, where the hosts and Nigeria are looking good, along with Zambia. We have a great interview with Nigeria forward Peter Odemwingi, who's played in Nigeria, France, England, and somewhat surprisingly spent most of last year playing in Indonesia. Uh, the fans really took to me and you know, showed me lots of love. And till now, they're tweeting to me, come back, please come back. Also, Stuart has a tribute to Cyril Regis, a great pioneer for black players in England and across the world, who died earlier this month. He played in the 1970s and 1980s when, frankly to our shame, racism was tolerated in the United Kingdom. That's coming later, but first to the 2018 African Nations Championship, the CHAN, in Morocco. This is the fifth edition of the Continental Championship, which is like the Africa Cup of Nations, but for the home-based players only. We're at the quarter-final stage now. The host Morocco take on Namibia on Saturday, and Zambia plays Sudan. And then on Sunday, Nigeria take on Angola, and Congo-Brazzaville face Libya. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba is in Morocco for the tournament and he's spoken to Sudan coach Zradko Logarusic, who's from Croatia. He has good things to say about the tournament. It's a fantastic, fantastic chance. It's giving lots of opportunity for young players to make success. Lots of people are watching this and I think so many of them just they will change their life and their career. It's a fantastic opportunity for the young players. Um, you were doubted when you came in. Now you've booked a place in the quarterfinals. How does it feel to put Sudan in? You know, but we are trying our best and just we are enjoying. And until we're gonna try to enjoy a bit longer here in Morocco. Morocco is fantastic country. So Sudan plays Zambia in the quarterfinals on Saturday night. More on the Chan on next week's show. The next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our interview with Nigeria forward Peter Odomwingi. Odomwingi is now 36 years old and he's had a career that's seen him play in Nigeria, in Russia, France, England and most recently Indonesia. Well, Odomwingi's best years were at Lokomotiv Moscow from 2007 to 2010, when he then moved to West Brom in the English Premier League, playing for the Baggies up to 2013, also played for Cardiff and Stoke City in the Premier League. For the national team, Odomwingi scored at the 2014 World Cup Finals, and he captained the Super Eagles at the 2010 Africa Cup of Nations, where Nigeria reached the semi-finals. Odomwingi was born to a Nigerian father and a Russian mother. He was a victim of racism when he quit Lokomotiv Moscow in Russia to go to West Brom, and some Lokomotiv fans used racist banners to celebrate his transfer. We'll hear about that shortly as he spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. But first, Odomwingi played in Indonesia last year at a club called Madura United. And Oluwashina asked him to tell us more about football in Indonesia. It was um, a tougher league to play in than many would think. It's not obviously televised, uh, there's no coverage, but... Um, 
players very fit, you know, naturally fit players. So the tempo of the, you know, the game was very high. A lot of talent in that country uh, as well, uh, but need to they need to work on their infrastructure. Uh, it's a bit, you know, lacking standard of which, you know, preparation for training, all those procedures, the medical staff, the physiotherapy side, it's a bit poor at the moment, but potential is there. A lot of investing into the league. Last season they brought about five former Premier League players. They want to improve, you know, their players. They're hosting the Asian Games this this year now. So um, uh, they're trying to raise the standard. So I, And the other side of it, outside of football, is a very beautiful place to be. I spent a lot of time in Bali with my family. They loved it. My town, Surabaya, was uh, beautiful. But Maduro itself, where we train, is a bit rough. As I said, the infrastructure, like training ground facilities are not the greatest. But there were other positive things I could take from there. There was a lot of beautiful golf courses that kept me, you know, positively minded. So, yeah, and the, the boys are fun. Actually, Indonesian boys, it reminded me a little bit of Nigeria. Lively, you know, happy and uh, foods were similar, a bit of spicy rice. So I was okay there. When you look at your journey in football, I mean, Indonesia is the last place anyone would expect to see Peter Odenwinge. Scoring goes at the World Cup in 2014 and suddenly you're playing in the Indonesian league. Even myself, you know, I didn't know much about Indonesia as a country. The only thing I knew from CNN is hearing about Jakarta and Bali as a as a uh, destination to play in. But um, the circumstances just like pushed me towards Indonesia. I'll call it destiny because uh, in January I had an injury that lasted three months, a calf injury. So when I recovered middle of uh, April, there was all European leagues were about to come to an end. And then there was this offer on the table from Madura. So I thought about it. Yes, I know I've been one of the most traveled players in the world. And now there was a 17-hour flight in front of me. And I said, you know, in some ways it will, you know, extend your network in football towards Asia. I've been in Thailand before, in Singapore and Malaysia, and it looked beautiful to me. We had the Barclays Asia Trophy. Players are very popular. The Premier League is popular in Asia, so there is a lot to benefit from it. So then, you know, I looked at my wife, I asked the question, shall I take it or not? Because looking at a year ago, like uh, in the summer, I was struggling to find a, a contract or a team. And I said, it's better to be playing while searching so for bigger things. So I took the, the challenge and then started off really well. I was scoring goals almost every game. Uh, the fans really took to me and you know, showed me lots of love. And till now they're tweeting to me, come back, please come back. So it was, a, I won't say coincidence, but something I didn't expect, but it was on the table and I took it. Now, some part of me said, doubts whether that was the right decision but looking at all the goals the the fact that my family had a great time there I think it was a, it was a still a, a decision that brought lots of positives for me I remember you suffered one incident yourself and it's something that you never expected I mean you consider yourself a Russian yes how does that make you feel when you see we know it's not the majority mm. minority of people yeah. who still think you know what you're black no matter what you think to be honest, Russia is my country, you know, in a family quarrel. To me personally, I don't really I don't really care. It didn't touch me, it didn't bother me. I know the bit of the insights to that story. 
it was because I departed, I didn't want to stay, and it, there's more to it than just that action that they did. Ob obviously, you know, from the outside, if you look at it, it's a black and white uh, question, but there's like reasons to it. Um, yeah, I always said it was a minority of the fans that, you know, decided to do that because till date I have thousands of people writing me, I meet people, people see my mom in Moscow, they only speak good about me. Even locomotive fans, actually, last season, they were singing a very nice song to me. So they have, you might get confused with it. It was not the, something I would have loved to live through. It happened, but uh, they didn't do favors to the club and to the country as a whole. But um, you cannot just uh, hold on to that and say uh, it's not a country that welcomes for foreigners because uh, there are lots and lots of foreigners in there and they're all there. And if Musa returns to CSK this month, that will also speak volumes and you cannot just ignore that. Stoke City, your club, you last played for in the Premier League. They're struggling. Yeah. First rounds for Stoke weren't great in the last years. Even the year I joined them, they looked like a second-round team. I hope this year it will be the same case and they will do what they need to to survive. But I think in general, these teams that are struggling this season are a result of poor recruitment. A few teams that uh, recruited too many similar players. That's uh, why the creativity is not there and the, the goals are not there. But, you know, the team spirit can always make a big difference. And if they can uh, find the key to spirited performances and grind out few results, I think they still have all the chances to stay up because the gap is not that big yet. It's still open. And uh, as we speak, Stoke City are a point above the relegation zone. That's Nigeria's Peter Odemwingi speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji. Uh, well, Solomon, he's now 36 years old and Adam Wingy's had a good career, hasn't he, for club and for country? He has really excelled for me uh, as a winger and also as a forward. He's a player that is not your top nine player, but he plays from the wing and also very creative, great passes, great crosses from him. And we've seen that also in the Nigerian national team that is the Super Eagles, where he debuted in 2002. And he went on to represent Nigeria over 60 times, including at the two World Cups and four Africa Cup of Nations as well as winning a silver medal at the 2008 Olympic Games. He brought something different to the Super Eagles, not something that we, his pace, you know, his crosses and, and just his creativity was just uh, totally, uh, you know, different, which is uh, what Nigerian football at about that point was, was lacking. And, you know, he captained the Super Eagles of Nigeria, uh, you know, for the 2010 Africa Cup of Nations. He brought a lot of value to the Nigerian uh, national team. He is a player that, you know, gives the coach options, uh, either playing as a wing or playing somewhere in the middle. And he's also very passionate. Uh, the fans loved him. You know, uh, during his playing days, his face was all over uh, billboards in Nigeria and the streets of Lagos and across Nigeria. Uh, he, he was a fan favorite. So and advertisers use him to promote uh, their, their, their products. And he's also a very lively guy. He speaks his mind. 
Uh, so he really gave the Nigerian Super Eagles teammates the desire to speak when there is uh, something that is not okay, uh, when they disagree. You know, I think he was a player that really added so much value uh, during his playing days with the Super Eagles. Well, thanks, Solomon. And we'll see who Peter Odenwingi ends up playing for next after that time in Indonesia. Still a few days left on the January transfer window, and he might even go back to Indonesia, we understand. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programmes too in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com, and on Twitter we are at planetsportfa. Well, now, many in football are mourning the death of Cyril Regis, a great pioneer for black players in England and across the world. Regis died at the age of 59 of a heart attack on the 14th of this month. Stuart Weir has this tribute to Regis. Cyril Regis was an England international who played for three clubs in the top division of English football, West Bromwich Albion, Aston Villa and Coventry City. He scored a number of spectacular goals and was described by former Manchester United manager Ron Atkinson as the most complete centre-forward he'd ever seen. Atkinson, of course, managed Cyril at West Brom and at Aston Villa. Regis was a top player, but even more than that, he is known as a pioneer black player. He played in the 1970s and 1980s when, frankly to our shame, racism was tolerated in the United Kingdom. During league games, racism was particularly hostile and the crowd would chant, Who's that up a tree? It's Big Cyril, Big Cyril. At other times, it would be, Lick my boots. Monkey chants were common. Bananas were thrown at black players. And frankly, there were other chants which are too rude and offensive to repeat on this programme. To make matters worse, Regis was expected to keep his mouth shut and just accept what was happening, otherwise he would have been seen as a troublemaker. When Cyril Regis was first selected as the third black player to play for England, he received a bullet in the post with a note saying, If you decide to play for England at Wembley next week, one of these bullets will end up in your knees, you black so-and-so. Cyril kept the bullet on display in his house. In fact, he offered the best possible answer to the racists by playing brilliantly running through opposition defences and scoring spectacular goals, always with a huge smile on his face. He later said that he used the racial chanting as motivation, saying, I very quickly realised that the best way to fight back was to use my talent. As a player, Regis was very much um, one of the lads, relishing the fame, the heavy drinking, nightclubbing, and picking up women culture that existed at the time. One of his closest friends was teammate Laurie Cunningham. The pair were once involved in a serious car crash in the early hours of the morning, but miraculously walked away unhurt. But when years later, playing for Real Madrid, Cunningham was involved in a similar car crash and died, 
Regis was shaken, realising how easily he could have been in the car with Cunningham. It caused him to think about the meaning of life and to ask the question, where is Laurie Cunningham now after death? That resulted in him becoming a follower of Jesus, something he was always happy to talk about. There's no comparison. Having someone die for you and tell you how much they love you, knowing that Christ paid a price that I should have paid, pales in comparison. I mean, one thing when you do come to the Lord, you get your life in perspective. And the first and most thing is my relationship with God. So in fact, it releases you to enjoy football and to view life in the right perspective. Tributes to Regis have come from many black players who said how inspired they were by him. For example, Dion Dublin of Coventry City said, He was my hero. All I wanted to do was play like him. Gary Lineker, the England international, said, I don't think there's a single football fan from my generation who wouldn't tell you they loved Cyril Regis. Well, thanks, Stuart. And uh, also paying tribute to Cyril Regis was Zimbabwe legend Pete Ndlovu, who says that Regis was key in him moving from here in Zimbabwe to Coventry City in England after Regis saw him play. Very sad to hear of a Cyril Regis's passing, but uh, leaves behind a great legacy. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, we turn to social media. At our last week's show, we asked if you think that anyone can catch Manchester City at the top of the English Premier League. Their lead was reduced to 12 points after that defeat to Liverpool. We asked who could be their biggest challenger. Could it be Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool or someone else or indeed no one at all? Well, this question really caught your attention and again we've had another huge response, so apologies if we can't read your comment today. On Facebook first, and Thomas Sankara in The Gambia says, I'm not seeing any team catch them this season. Pep and Manchester City have proven to be real winners and preachers of pure football. Uh, Daniel Buckman in Ghana, though, says uh, they can be caught. This is the English Premier League and anything can happen. There are lots of matches to be played and no one is a winner until the end, says Daniel. On WhatsApp, Ephrathar Kamanga in Malawi disagrees, saying City are champions no matter what happens. And Hamat Jobe in the Gambia says it'll be very hard for teams to catch up with City. In the Premier League, anything is possible, but I don't think that Manchester United, Chelsea or Liverpool can catch up with the City boys this season, says Hamat. But Almame Camera, also in the Gambia, says now that Manchester United have Alexis Sanchez, there'll be another team to watch. And John in Ghana agrees, saying I can see Man United really living up to expectations. K-Boy in the Gambia reminds us that Manchester United have successfully chased down a lead this big before. In the 1995-96 season, Man United came back from 12 points down to claim the Premier League title, says K-Boy. The archetypal Sir Alex Ferguson mental hoodoo struck a Newcastle side who are running away with the top flight at the end of January. United won 13 of their final 15 games to win by four points, so nothing is impossible as far as football is concerned, says K-Boy. Yeah, great memories there for Manchester United fans. Now here's Nsonyi Armstrong in Cameroon. But City can't be caught. The lead will be cut down before the end of the season, but City will be champions, says Nsonyi. 
Khalifa Sanyang in China shares that view. I think Man United will be their biggest challengers, but I don't think they're strong enough to catch them, says Khalifa. To Malawi now, and Gift Chipanda agrees. We all believe in miracles, but in my eyes, I don't see any team coming above Manchester City, says Gift. However, the biggest challengers should be Man United or Liverpool. Gemo in the United States sees the title going firmly to the Etihad. City will be champions come the end of the season, says Gemo. I don't see any team catching up with them. Uh, many of you this week have been saying the same thing. Uh, Robertson in Cameroon says, I say no one, I mean absolutely no one will catch City. They just need 10 more wins and they're done. I don't see them losing games in quick succession. Fode and Gie in the Gambia agrees. You never know in the English Premier League, says Fode. I think Liverpool and Man United can give it a go, but City won't lose the league. The gap is simply too wide. Well, we always welcome your voice notes here on the show. From the Gambia, here's Musa Balde. Despite the fact that City lost at Liverpool, they are still the favourite to clinch the EPL title. And bearing in mind Manchester United was... In two, three years back, they were also having such an opportunity where it was eight-point gap. But the throw in the towel and they lost it to Man City, down rivals. So I don't think City will also did the same mistake and allowed Manchester United or Liverpool or in fact even Chelsea to come and overtake them and take that EPL title. Thanks for that. That's a Musa Balde. Also, we had a voice note from Mahari Cham again in the Gambia. Yeah, a month ago, I used to think any possibility of another club catching up with Man City was totally out of the equation. But after last week's Liverpool defeat, my hopes are raised because especially the other top six clubs will look at themselves and say, wow, Liverpool did it, so why not? We can also have a revenge on the second leg or so. So something like that will really reduce the gap on the table and surely there can be a catch-up. So Mahari Cham thinking it could still be game on. Uh, Paul Truman in Nigeria also thinks that City could be caught. Uh, Manchester United has the potential to upstage City, says Paul. That's if they can reorganise the team in January. Well, they made a good start there with the signing of Alexis Sanchez from Arsenal this week. So let's see what impression Sanchez can make for Jose Mourinho's side. Uh, despite City's strong position, Lamine Sané in the Gambia is looking forward to an exciting title race. It's going to be tough in the second half of the season, says Lamine. City are still favourites, but expect Liverpool and Man United to pose a huge threat. And finally, Ishmael Saidu Kanu in Sierra Leone says, Only Man United can pose a threat to the league leaders, but to catch them will be a difficult task. For me, City will win the English Premier League. All they have to do is to maintain their current form. Well, thanks so much for all of those views. Always great to hear from you. Apologies again if we didn't get time to read out your message. Well, this week on Facebook and WhatsApp, we're asking, is Morocco's World Cup bid a waste of time? Now, this week, Morocco formally launched their bid to host the 2026 World Cup, where they'll be up against a joint bid from the USA, Canada and Mexico. 
Now, Morocco have tried four times before and failed on each occasion. So is this bid a waste of time given the facilities that the USA, Canada and Mexico have to offer? You can post a message on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, more on the English Premier League now. Our European football expert Stuart Weir still with us, and last weekend another eventful one, Stuart. Well, Steve, perhaps the biggest development is that Manchester United have signed Alexis Sanchez from Arsenal with Heinrich Mkhitaryan going in the opposite direction. Sanchez will be paid a staggering $480,000 a week, with Mkhitaryan being paid $240,000 a week, making him Arsenal's most expensive player. It's a straight swap deal, no money being paid by either club, but it does seem that Manchester United have got the better deal signing Sanchez, who's been a star player for Arsenal, and losing Mkhitaryan, who struggled to hold down a place at United. Now, Steve, last week I said that Arsene Wenger had criticised Alex Iwobi, the Nigerian player, for not scoring enough. Well, Alex has been listening either to me or to Arsene Wenger because he scored on Saturday in Arsenal's 4-1 win over Crystal Palace. And incidentally, the much-criticised striker, Alexandre Lacazette, also scored, having not scored in his previous nine games. Stoke City are under new management, and Paul Lambert saw his charges beat Huddersfield 2-0, with Senegal's Mamed Diouf scoring and the Cameroonian Eric Choupo-Moting having an excellent game involved in both goals. Now, Swansea City beat Liverpool 1-0, Jordan Ayew of Ghana was in the starting lineup, and Wilfred Bonney from Ivory Coast came on as a substitute. This was a great win for Swansea and their new manager, Carlos Gavajal, but it still leaves them bottom of the table. And finally, Steve, Victor Moses, the Nigerian, scored for Chelsea as they beat Brighton 4-0. And that was his first goal for Chelsea since the charity shield in August last year. So long overdue, that goal from Victor Moses. And uh, Stuart, we've talked a lot about video assistant referees over the past year or so on the show. The video assistant referees, or the VAR, will be used at the Chan for the remaining games from the quarterfinals onwards in Morocco. And it was used in two English FA Cup replays last week with uh, mixed reactions, Stuart. Uh, Yes, indeed. And let's just look at two examples. Leicester City against Fleetwood. Nigerian striker Kaletu Ihanacho ran onto the Algerian Riyad Mahrez's pass and scored. But assistant referee Lay Betts flagged for offside. The referee John Moss consulted VAR and the goal was awarded. The issue was whether Ihanacho was in front or behind the offside line uh, and VAR showed that the assistant referee had got it wrong, goal awarded and that simply shows that when it's an issue like a black and white issue and with goal line technology, this can be a real help. But then the second example is more complex. In the Chelsea-Norwich game, the referee showed Willen of Chelsea a yellow card for diving. VAR was consulted and said no obvious referee error. 
But watching the game on television, there were five ex-pros, including such top players as Alan Shearer and Gianfranco Zola, and all five of them said, definite penalty, the referee got it wrong. Afterwards, I read in the newspaper that the VAR official didn't actually see the incident from the best angle. And then there was, in the same game, an example when Morata of Chelsea was shown a yellow card for diving, argued with the referee and got a second yellow card. But there was clear evidence that the defender had put a hand on his shoulder. But a VAR again said, no obvious refereeing error. Now, interestingly, and of course we're all learning how the technology works, referee Graham Scott was criticised over those two incidents for not reviewing the incident himself on the pitch side screen, which is one of his options. But the clear conclusion for me here is when the issues are black and white, it's much easier for VAR than when it's a matter of opinion. Where Willen and Murata fouled? Was the contact minimal? Did the players go down too easily? These are all matters of opinion. So VAR is great on facts, but not so much on opinions. And let's not expect VAR to solve all the problems in world football. Interesting. Thanks a lot for that, Stuart. Some thoughts on the VAR, the video assistant referees. No English Premier League this week, by the way. It's the fourth round of the FA Cup in England. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and WhatsApp, we're asking, is Morocco's World Cup bid a waste of time? Morocco have formally launched their bid to host the 2026 World Cup, but they face a joint bid from the USA, Canada and Mexico. Is there any hope there? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven. From East Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.